Maybe we can do a rhyme about empathy. Empathy, you will see that through you, you and me. Okay. We will be forever the Whoa. best podcast. Go crazy. Out in this big blue sea. Yes, sir. Ski. <laughs> kind of spin. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Marketing Major Pod with Sham and Ojo. Today, we are speaking with Joanne from Empathy. So in this episode, we're going to talk a lot about empathy and also starting your own business, uh, the challenges you see faced as a woman, as a woman of color. And yeah, let's get right into it. Sick. So welcome back to the Marketing Major Podcast with Sham and OJ. And today we're here with... Joanne Barcelome. So thank you so much for being on our podcast. Joanne is the owner and founder of Empathy, which is a... It's a marketing agency here in Edmonton, and I'm also the founder of something called Your Social Media Planner. Tell us a little bit about your background, a little bit about empathy, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, super cool question, because I feel like it captures a lot. We were just chatting before this, talking about, you know, business, life, like all the good stuff. Um, So, of course, graduated here at the Alberta School of Business, did some time abroad as well in France, and that was super fun. Came back, and here I was working in corporate. And corporate, it's it's for some people, it wasn't for me. It was a place that everybody, I feel, constantly are trying to like tell you that you can't do something. Like there was always someone above saying, you can't do it like this. And so how empathy marketing came into play was that it was initially called Yeg Marketing before. Mm-hmm. But I rebranded because of the fact that we don't serve clients just in Edmonton. We serve clients in Toronto, in Vancouver, in Seattle, and also in the UK now. So it's been a really wild ride to get it to that point but the reason that I wanted to start the marketing agency was because I was kind of tired of the way marketing was done so I don't know about both of you but in your marketing classes do you still do target demographics like age gender like interest like is that the way that you do target demographics right now yeah that's that's definitely how I do it in a lot of my classes uh, I it's definitely very similar. Yeah. Uh, I know they expanded a little bit now with like webographics, so not just who they are, but also where they live on the internet. So you want to know what types of social media they use, how much they use it, or, like what types of media they consume. But it's still pretty much the same thing. Well, that's what I mean. Is like I love the fact that it evolved quite a bit, but at the same time, I just felt as though that just because woman one loves Starbucks and you know is a woman that graduated at the Alberta School of Business doesn't always mean that she's the same woman as woman two who also loves Starbucks and you know graduated from the Alberta School of Business so it's a very different way to look at marketing is instead of thinking about what is that person uh, like as a person the demographics what do they think but most importantly how do they feel and at that moment like I couldn't do it in a way that consulting would work because no one really understood that concept. Like you're telling me that you wanna associate this concept of feeling with a return on investment and you want me to make money from that? That was not not the case. So here I am now today and I said, you know what? I will probably do it through social media. So that's where it started was that if I can prove this concept through social media, I knew a little bit, not much about cameras, but I knew a little bit enough to really build from that. So that's Mm kind of where it started. And we've grown now to a team of four and a couple contractors and it's been pretty wild ever since oh that's so amazing so you talked a little bit about how 
um, you really focus on feeling is that kind of that idea of brand equity is that kind of what you're building with that yeah it's like it's very hard though right because if you talk about brand equity in a small business setting Mm -hmm. small businesses go what is that right They, they think to themselves should i be you know going out there and doing online ads or should i be doing a website tell me what i should be spending my money on joanne mm-hmm. and so brand equity you're right it's very different because you're trying to put a concept of you know it's about your mission vision values who you're trying to speak to mm-hmm. but on top of that this is how you're going to get dollars at the end of the day and get more money so it's hard it's hard to explain so you create this connection through feelings with businesses you mainly work with small businesses mostly small businesses yeah okay amazing and you create this connection through social media yep amazing so how do you how do you do that is it through like just posts is it through communication what's kind of your biggest way to try to convey a it's feeling hard. i know it's really hard to convey a feeling so mm-hmm. one thing that we know right now is that uh, video has changed the game and I was the type of person that I was on TikTok way before everybody else. People thought I was absolutely wild. They're like, what are you doing? This is for kids. Like, what is that? But the reason that I'm doing that is that people now want to hear stories. And it's mm-hmm. about capturing that story in a very short form video way. So what we do is that in our company, it's like, yeah, we'll manage your social media. We'll do all the posts, all that stuff. But at the same time, too, it's like, what is everybody doing right now in your industry? And what can you do differently? How can you go against the grain is essentially what it is. So when I talked about like, you know, going against the grain of how target demographics are done or going against the grain of how businesses run, it's like taking a different lens of let's go the opposite way from everybody else. Mm -hmm. So correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding is that um, previously brands kind of look at um, the feelings of maybe what a customer would have and trying to tailor themselves to what their target customer would be but are you trying to portray the brand's feeling now to the customer that's one of the reasons why we co- we're called empathy so it mm-hmm. goes both ways so it goes about the concept of okay so we have a small business owner and they have a story to tell yeah so you're like okay how can you portray the heart of a small business owner how can you show the late nights the early mornings all that stuff and the reason why they're doing something and most often the reason why a small business owner is doing something isn't because of the money yeah it's something else that they have in in mind so that's where we would portray the small business owner. at the same time we also know that customers will align well knowing that story of that business owner mm-hmm. so it's you're right it goes both ways and i find that when it, with companies right now it's, it's one or the other it's either you're focusing just on the business this is the business this is what we do this is our mission vision values but there's no what's in it for you to do that with me and then the opposite side if it's just about the customer here's the person here's what they're saying and then you forget that there's a whole other business story that's associated with it so that's what there's a changes in brands right now but in the small business world it was so new at the time yeah i like that i like the idea that you get to not only portray your brand that like could bring in your own like audience but also then you get to like tailor your messaging to a little bit of your target like that so do you i guess could you say your ultimate goal i guess or big vision is to change business culture as a whole so they're always doing that like equivalent exchange so to speak where you're always thinking about not just what i can get in terms of what i can get from the customer or what i can get from the business but always thinking about the other side and everyone has a little more empathy so to speak 
Yeah, that's that's the business side. So the business side, when it comes to what we want to do in the big world, is it's world domination for me. And it's the idea that, yes, we have to put ourselves in our customer's shoes and understand how our customer feels. And they have to do it vice versa as well. It's not just one side. It's not like the customer is always right. But my own mission and the reason why I do what I do and I stand up for what I stand up for is that I believe that everybody should be empowered, enabled, and encouraged to achieve their courageous goals. Everybody. And that's when it comes to my story, uh, I, of course, was born in Edmonton, but my parents are from the Philippines. And it's a very different mindset to go from a stable, you know, stable household and think, I'm going to go do entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And that's where if I'm if I can change something about the world is to showcase the heart of a small business owner. It's not about, you know, the money or it's not about, you know, trying to get more sales. It's so much more that we want to actually help people. The majority of the people just want to help people. So can we collectively look at each other rather than individualistically look at each other? And that's the game that we're trying to do. OJ and I both are children of immigrants. Yeah. So I definitely connect with your story there. Looking at you, like your parents, when you're a child of immigrant, and seeing how like how, how much hard they, they work, <laughs> yeah, how much and, they like, sacrifice. Exactly, you so. just want to do that. It's hard, yeah. right? Like, because at the end of the day, they probably came from a place where, if you have food, shelter, safety, you're golden in life, yeah. right? That's that's a big, and it's very humbling to see that. But then something that I've struggled with in the business world has been, how do you go away from that? So that way you can grow a business because it can really hinder you in that sense where uh, you're just thinking about safety but with any investment comes major risk as you all know when it comes to finance major risk is a major reward sometimes so how do you move away from that safety feeling as well what challenges did you face when you first started empathy what made you i guess you talked a little bit about what made you want to start the company but what are those challenges that you faced when you first started I think it's so important to give a couple stats because I feel like this is something that people don't talk about. So in your first year business, 20% of businesses fail. Mm-hmm. You know? In the second year, 30% of your businesses fail. And then by year 10, 50% of businesses fail. So you have a 70% failure rate of starting a business. Now, but on top of that, according to StatCan, it's roughly, I believe, 16% of all small and medium-sized businesses are run by women. 16%. And then when it comes to visible minority, it is, I think, close to 12%. Mm-hmm. So what I can talk about business strategy all day long when it comes to this idea of like what challenges did you face, but as a woman who is obviously a visible minority, some of the stuff that I go through is economical, it's also social, and it's also psychological. So one other thing on the economical sense is, I'll give this example, it's really difficult for women to get funding. It yeah. is so hard. And also for corporate. So if you go into the corporate world, how many times I've sat in the boardroom and I was the assistant. So I'm the person that has to get water, but I'm the person presenting as well. Or I get asked to do something like, oh, you have to organize the birthday cards when it's not really part of my, my job description. Mm-hmm. It's slowly changing, but that's something that wasn't re- I wasn't ready for. And it's even more prominent in the small business world because if you try and get investment, I had a friend who was pitching her app and it was for women's hair. And for me, I spent close to like $250 on my hair mm-hmm. because it gets, you have to dye it, it's a lot of money. Yeah. 
But for a lot of the investors who are men, they couldn't really understand this concept of spending a lot of money on your hair. Mm -hmm. So in that 15 minute pitch that she had to get funding, they were so focused on the fact that her pricing was off that they, she didn't have a chance to even talk about her implementation strategy. And of course she didn't get any funding. Yeah. So that's just one example of that. If there were more people in the room, if there was people amplifying that voice, then maybe it would be a little bit easier. And I've experienced that as well. I had struggles getting a line of credit. I had struggles getting credit cards because I was high risk. So there's that component as well. And then when you go to social, we talked about this, where I, of course, come from an immigrant family. It's that mindset shift of how do I play safe, but how do I know when it's time to invest in something? And how do I know it's time to take a risk? And playing safe doesn't always get you anywhere. And the psychological aspect of, okay, maybe that guy was right. Maybe my pricing is off or the other mindset of maybe my mom was right, maybe I shouldn't have started this business, what am I doing? So it's, it's very different challenges because if we look at the economy scale, out of the 16% of women who run businesses, 150 billion is injected into Canada's economy and they employ roughly 1.5 million employees in Canada. And so why is there not more funding for it? Why is there not support? So there's, it's changing, there's programs that's coming, but that was the biggest struggle with starting Empathy. It wasn't easy. It's one thing to do, deal with the fact that there's a 70% chance of failure. It's another thing to deal with it as a woman and also a woman of color. Yeah, no, that, I think that's always a very important thing to note as a business owner as well is obviously there's gonna be the regular struggles as a business, yeah. all of the regular financial struggles. But yeah, as women, as women of color, we definitely have um, like an added layer. We saw you guys did some competitions, or sorry, not some, you specifically <laughs> did competitions, like national and international. Can you talk a little bit about those? Uh, which one was your favorite and what did you present at your favorite competition? There's there's two. So there was, an, I'll do the national one, I'll do also the international okay. one. The international one was great because this one was the one in France. It was for L'Oreal's La Roche-Posay. Oh. And I don't know what it was, but I think people were very curious that year about millennials. Like how do we sell a product that is you know marketed towards people with fine lines and wrinkles and looking younger to young people who aren't really thinking about fine lines and wrinkles and looking younger. So it was really cool. When I had pitched the idea, it was awesome because it, I, that was the first time that I've pitched in front of brand advisors and they took me to the back and said, oh, can you make these adjustments and repitch to us? I was like, what, you want me to repitch to you? And like, yeah, we were like, we noticed a couple of things with your presentation. We would love to, of course, bring you to the next level. Can you, can you repitch? So the way it was is that I tried to do something a little bit more, um, invent activation with the La Roche-Posay the idea that you could come into the store and you would uh, have your face scanned and such and it was like a whole like digital experience so that was the idea that was pitched and it was super fun um, the national one that I recommend both of you to do whenever you have a chance is Canada's Next Top Ad Exec for all these brands like uh, McDonald's and Pepsi etc like it's really hard to get noticed compared to Eastern schools mm -hmm. but it's a great way to get noticed one thing that I always tell people if they want is that I'm very open to sharing what I wrote for Canada's Next Top Exec because what happened was that the person before me made top 10 and then top three and they shared their marketing plan with me. So that way it was kind of a nice way that collectivism again to just support and try and get you there. It was again, you got to choose which uh, which one you had to do. So we chose 
that we wanted to attract new Canadians to Chevrolet. That mm-hmm. was our thing. They wanted to get more sales. So how do you get more sales? We'll do it through you Canadians. We developed a campaign called With You Every Step of the Way because when they come to Canada, we want to make sure that they feel comfortable and that Chevrolet will always be with you every step of the way as you grow your business, as you grow your family, whatever you're working on, and they will be there. So that was the campaign for that. I like that. That's almost yeah. foreshadowing to what you do now. Yeah. Creating a feeling. <laughs> I, I like that. So Empathy has a portfolio of projects on your website. Um, which project has been your favorite? That's hard. That's a hard one. <laughs> or even which project has been the most like interesting to deal with? So we have so many so we have so many projects. So I'll give a bit of a background as I'm trying to think of which one I love. So <laughs> we work on Taste of Edmonton stuff, which yeah. is super local. Like I love that. I'm a huge foodie, so it's super fun. Um, but then we also work with Canadian Jewelers Association and one of their members has just recently been the uh, proud jeweler for the Raptors. Mm-hmm. So we're flying out next week to kind of capture oh. that stuff, which will be super sweet. Yep, that's fun. Uh, but if I were to pick the one that I really love, it would probably be the one book. Yeah, that would be that one. Tell us a little bit about that. The one book. Yeah. Uh, right now, a big milestone is out. Now you can get the one book in all chapters all across Canada. Okay. And that was a really big deal because it is hard to get into chapters. <laughs> so hard uh but i think the reason is because it went back to that small business thing when kristen approached me she just had a concept she was like i have this idea i wanted to reduce overwhelm for small business owners i want to do it through this thing called the one book Mm -hmm. and the one program what can you recommend Mm -hmm. and so seeing that come into place and seeing the orders come in and being part of that story and just seeing her heart and she had her book signing this last weekend at chapters like it was a big deal and that's what we do is that you know we take something that people would normally say it's just an idea like it's something that mm-hmm. okay sure it's uh, you want to start a book whatever but then to put it into chapters and see your name published like that and then also to promote it on tiktok on instagram like all the good stuff it's it's cool to see it's a really cool thing yeah and for people who don't know what the one book is what is it the one book is a journal. Okay. It's not a journal journal because I try to tell people it is where you don't have to have a gratitude journal or you okay. don't have to have like a task list. It's all in one. Mm-hmm. But also there's a lot of things that go into it. Like, for example, visualization. There's ideas that in order to have creativity, you have to like color. So there's a lot of coloring pages as well in there. Okay. Some some activities when it comes to feeding your brain in a different way. Like it's very cool. I would recommend checking it out, but that's what it is. It's, and at the end of the year, when you have it, at least you can go back and say, hey, like this is what I did at the end of the year and it goes on your shelf and it becomes like a little bit of a bulletin. Cool. So how did you approach that? Like breathing sort of feeling into that? Did you just take Kristen's drive and kind of try to breathe that through your social media that you were doing for the brand? Yeah, so thankfully it's it was designed by a designer called Logan Gray. And okay. they are a very interesting person where they look at things in, in a different light. Mm-hmm. So it was it had to be something that both male, female, or however you identify as could use. Mm-hmm. And it also had to be something that you wanted to fill out. How many times we buy that notebook and you just try it for the first month, you don't use it. So yeah. um, how we took it was we had to remember why we're doing this is that we wanted to reduce overwhelm. Mm-hmm. So what we take is this idea of overwhelm and put it into a book we have to talk about okay this is where you put your money and one thing that we talk about is we have to identify what the person's most valuable resource is 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask this question to both of you, which is, what do you value most? Do you value time, energy, or money? Time. time. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. yeah. So, you're, so you would pay an extra $15 for shipping to be faster, express shipping, than you would for standard shipping. Is that right? Maybe not $15. (laughs) I feel like mm, I definitely pay, like, for example, I, the bus is free for me, which I could take, but it adds, like, 30 extra minutes to my morning, so I pay, like, the $15 um, to to park. park. Yeah. Okay, so that that makes sense. Yeah. So you wouldn't go to, like, a grocery store on the south side of Edmonton, drive all the way there from the north side, because there's a deal that you would save money on. If it's one deal, no. If they're saving me, multiple deals. I guess there's always like there's a balance. Yeah, there's, a balance. there's a balance. Like if I get to, if I have to pay like a hundred dollars, yeah. right? There's yeah. like a there's a line for sure. So that's that's what we do with the one book. Yeah. Is you have to figure out what do people value most, and then you curate posts based on that. So I value energy. Yeah, I, I'm a huge introvert. Believe it or not, I'm, I'm not the type of person that likes to be on camera and likes to do all this stuff. But I do it anyways. But I know that's an exchange of energy, and when one thing that I value is replenishing that energy, mm-hmm. so I will value that a lot more. Whereas, for example, so many people I know, it's money, mm-hmm. and they will do anything to save money. They will look at their grocery list and be like, "Look how much they save." Yeah. And so, when you curate posts in that way, you are selling this book to attract multiple business owners who think about business in a different light. And that's how we did it. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's interesting because um, it really depends. Your interests would kind of depend on your like your demographic a little yeah. bit too i think as students we value time because yeah, we have no <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah, it's like i can't value money that i don't have so yeah, you, would, you would pack your lunch you wouldn't go buy a lunch or whatever i'm, I'm definitely a meal plan save as much money as possible packing lunch type of guy so it depends but for you like it, it depends yeah. like you love time and money yeah sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> so how how did you kind of determine that like people's interests it's a lot of testing. So that's the thing about social media. It's always testing. You're always trying it. It's, you can't see results in like a month, two months. So that's why we usually sign people on for a year. Mm-hmm. And then when we came to Kristen, it was almost like sh- debunking myths was the area that we went with that. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. let's try and debunk some myths, see what's sticking, and then amplify whatever is sticking. So yeah. that's that's what we did. For social media, do you find that there's a larger like research almost portion before you start posting or are you the type to just start posting see what sticks we do do a bit of a strategy just okay, a, yeah. a tiny bit but I'm always telling our clients that for me it's about volume when I launched the social media planner I spent so much time posting on TikTok and I posted I think seven to ten times a day mm-hmm. and I was just showing the process of like trying to build this planner it was so many things I did really iterations this was in the like this was during COVID, so I was showing up to people's houses. I didn't, I couldn't afford shipping them the thing, so I had to drive to the place. Mm-hmm. And so, what it was is that when it comes to a strategy, it's like yes, one hundred percent is about strategy, but it's also about how much volume can you put out there. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, there's so much content that you have to put out the volume to order to see what sticks, yeah. and then from there choose and pick based on what's working. Okay, and do you think that that is something that is valuable for all businesses or is it kind of like more of a small business thing to be putting out a large volume of content rather than like really tailored specific content? 
I think it's so when it comes to tailored specific content, usually the brand is quite mature at that point. Mm-hmm. So there, so we think, think about like Lululemons of the world and yeah. you know Starbucks. It's very curated because they've already got that. When it comes to a small business sense, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know if it's going to be a great piece of content or not. So that's why we don't do it all the time. It's not like we're do posting seven times a day yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. It's just to give us the boost so that way we're using the data from those posts and going, here's your marketing plan now, mm-hmm. rather than guessing. Because so I think the stat uh, it came out with Canada's marketers was that 60% of marketers get their projections wrong. So you can actually, you'd be like, oh yeah, absolutely. We can do this marketing plan, but you have like a 60% chance of getting, or a 40% chance of getting it right. Yeah. And a 60% chance of getting it wrong. I mean, I guess you've already touched on this a little bit, but I was going to ask if you could like fully walk us through the process of a project. So I guess you already started with the whole doing initial research, but then what comes after that? Right. So we onboard them and they come up part of the onboarding we do the initial research we do a project kickoff meeting and at the project kickoff meeting then we talk about the development of their content plan all of that stuff we put it into uh, hey orca which is what we use for scheduling and it gets approved uh, of course during that content portion i'm skipping steps my marketing manager is going to be like it's actually a lot more steps than that <laughs> but we have about a month's time to put together content so that way we have everything at least tailored one to two months in advance so a lot we're already thinking about january content right now is essentially what we're doing and then we have a client meeting and then that's kind of where it is and we just do that month after month and if you talk to any of our social media coordinators they're like yay i finished all my to-dos and now we have to work on the next month do you pick up on trends and you're able to like change those plans quickly or is it kind of like you already have it like all set up like we have next. we have a plan don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but then every now and then there, we will try to put in a, a trend or a reel or something that will hopefully capture interest yeah but one thing that i always say to people is like it's one thing to be chasing trends mm-hmm. it's another thing to remember that good content will perform well regardless so just yeah. keep posting good content yeah. yeah yeah so you don't find much value or a bit you find a bit of value in trends but you don't put a big emphasis on it because Mm -hmm. i don't want to be the person chasing trends i want to be a trendsetter at the end of the day so that's why that's why i do it the way as marketing students whenever i think of like digital marketing i'm like oh you got to do all the trends new tiktok dance new tiktok trend you got to be on it to like actually capture attention Mm -hmm. so what's like the value to a trend for you so when it comes to marketing we'll go back to marketing as a whole Mm -hmm. it's you have to talk to the client about what do they see as success. So success could be brand awareness, it could be sales, it could be you know brand equity, like there's so many things that success. So when I talk to clients, I usually say things like, okay, we're gonna focus on three avenues and I call them the three E's. So it's educate, we're gonna educate the client on something, we're going to entertain them, and then we're going to inspire and engage. So those are the three things. So the value of a trend is the entertainment aspect of that marketing plan. It's that you have an opportunity to spark a conversation, boost metrics, you're able to grow the brand in a certain way, whatever that is. But then you also can't forget about the other two pillars, which is engage and inspire. And then the other one is educate about the brand. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, (laughs) yeah, I feel like trends are always like top of mind for yeah. me so i'm like always curious about how they're actually used to work yeah maybe it's because we're young so that's all we see <laughs> yeah it's all i see on my tiktok yeah, it's hard because so 
customer journey, right? So you think about the awareness phase of the customer journey, mm -hmm. then you have consideration, then you have conversion, then you have advocacy and retention. Yeah. So those that's the stages that you go through. So trends, awareness phase. Mm -hmm. Conversion, that's where you talk about education and engagement. And then retention, that's where you also do inspiration. Yeah. So it's not just, like that's probably why, because they're probably trying to get you to come back and be like, okay, there's the awareness to it. Yeah. But now we need to push you from the awareness to actually convert and purchase yeah. from us. So your services are short form videos, marketing strategies, social media content creation, right? Mm -hmm. um, do your clients typically prefer one service over another or do they typically use all three? That's hard. <laughs> I meet them where they're at always. Yeah. But so I do work for Alberta Women Entrepreneurs Bold Leadership Program. Mm -hmm. And so I deal with business owners there that they have to have a minimum of $500,000 in revenue. And so it's a different mindset game there as well. But what ends up happening is that with the clients that I work with, they will try and come in and say, I need social media. Yeah. Like they will think that they need something. But in reality, for me to set them up for success, I take a step back and I go, actually, I'm not going to take your dollars for this. How do you feel about a marketing strategy on top of that? Mm -hmm. So well, do I think that they all need it? 100%. Yeah. But if I need to meet them where they're at, which is like, Joanna, I just need short form content right now. Okay, I'll do that. But also, what I would want you to do is a marketing strategy. Let's work towards that and go yeah. there eventually. Yeah. yeah, I guess that kind of like touches on my next question of, do you think online marketing works for all businesses or are there certain exceptions in your opinion? I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Do you think that there's an exception in online marketing? I think it's tough. I feel like almost every business in the current climate has to do some form. Like there's people who... There's people who exclusively shop online now, mm -hmm. especially with the pandemic, where if anything like that happens again and you don't have any online marketing, you're essentially putting yourself in the hole. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so obviously some things need it more than others, obviously. Mm -hmm. But um, I think at the point we're at, you have to. I don't know if there is any exceptions anymore. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that all businesses need online marketing. Some have like should be spending more of their marketing dollars towards it depending on their target mm -hmm. um yeah i think that you really can't get away from it and all businesses need it i can't imagine like even a like what business wouldn't even need just like an instagram yeah to be like here are our hours or this is a day we're closed or something like yeah. that yeah yeah i get that yeah. so it depends how you look at it because a lot of people when they come to me some of them will say i built my business on referrals I don't need a website because I build business on referrals. But we're in a place now where people do business who, with people that they like. Mm -hmm. And that's that's networking. You both do that all the time is networking. So when it comes to that portion, if it's not going to be the business that you advertise, how are you putting yourself online is also a way to look at that. And it doesn't have to be through Instagram, TikTok, you know, all that stuff. It can be the articles that you've written. It can be the podcast that you're on. It could be the fact that you're published on Forbes magazine, which is something I'm hoping for one day. <laughs> uh, it can be so many things. So it's it's not always just about, okay, do I have to put the business on there? It could be also how you show up. So that way when you Google your name, what, what shows up? Yeah. But don't you think that like as a person, as a personal brand, like, anything that you do online also is kind of like online marketing for your brand? In a way. Yeah. In a way. But... I, I keep it very separate so yeah on my personal stuff you will see the business thing you'll also see me planting corn because I really <laughs> love planting and so it's just nice because there is a balance with all of that 
that too and you're mm-hmm. right it doesn't always have to be just a business yeah yeah do you find that it's hard to sometimes separate I guess like a lot of what you do is trying to breathe life into these small businesses which is a lot of the time the people behind the businesses which can't always isn't always great to like also have like a person that represents a business do you find that sometimes it's hard to separate those owners from the business at times or do you ever do that do you ever separate them they are separate yeah yeah definitely don't get that wrong they are 100% separate and I think the the reason I say that is because the business is its own identity it has mission vision values it has something that of course a lot of people can follow it's just that the business owner has a vision towards it that it has a, the heart to it. So yeah. that's the difference is that you're looking at a business and you're seeing them as a brand and that it can grow beyond that. Whereas a person, eventually we all leave the earth. So then that's probably how it works. So I see it as it's separate, but of course there's overlap that Venn diagram. There's a little bit of an overlap in between, mm-hmm. but there's a major separation between the business owner and also the brand. Yeah. yeah. Do you really try to emphasize that like in your projects is creating a big separation yeah for sure so so for example like let's take a let's take a project like taste of Edmonton yeah where you can't really show the business owner because there's nobody that's really the business owner for that um you what do we we would do differently then is okay what are we showcasing with the team so Mm -hmm. what are we showcasing that's the heart of why they do what they do versus okay we're going to showcase just the business owner itself so that's it's a little bit different every case is different when it comes to is it a nonprofit? is it a for business is it consulting whatever but that's that's probably not our realm of expertise we just focus on the small business side yeah we already talked about online marketing and how we think it's necessary but do you think there's any misconceptions about online marketing okay so i this is something that i feel like as marketing i don't know if you agree with me but i feel as though with marketing we look at it as you are in marketing so you are in one realm whereas i try to explain that online marketing is like a house like building a house you have the plumber you have the electrician you have like all these other people that are involved in building the house but the second that someone mentions online marketing all of a sudden we're all put into one umbrella Mm -hmm. and i think people forget that it's like content creation it's social media it's ads it's influencer marketing like there's a lot that goes under online marketing as a whole yeah and so that's the biggest misconception is like we need to do online marketing and then it's like does that mean you want social media or does that mean you want to do influence like what is it Mm -hmm. you want to specify this for me and then also like where should you be focusing your energy and your time and your money like we talked about is it worth it to be going after ads or should we doing linkedin or what we should be doing for online marketing so there's another misconception with that too is we have to do it's like okay we have to do social media it's like no there's more to online marketing than just that yeah i think that's like a lot of the different umbrellas of marketing i feel like that's a huge thing as marketers is we are literally wearing so many hats even in corporate right yeah. like as a marketer you're expected to create content edit content put it out have a strategy like all of these things i feel like that's oh it's a, awful like we have to be the graphic thing. designer we have to be the content writer we yeah. also have to be like the pr person for sometimes like yeah why is it that we all have to be this one and that's the biggest misconception i find with it is that there are specialties for each one and mm-hmm. and i find that they see marketing on your resume and you're like well you can do this <laughs> you have to be so creative and yeah. be great at writing and like and all of these things you're 
doing like three jobs and you're only getting paid for one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then you work the long hours and all that other stuff. And yeah. it's just, it's a lot. So. Yeah, that's what we were trying to break down with this podcast. I think that was the biggest thing for me in a previous episode, even uh, with Sophie from mm-hmm. the Oilers. Yeah. And she was like, oh, we have a content team and there's a design team and there's this and that. And I was like, even me being a marketing major, I didn't know that at an ad agency like sure you think oh it's an ad agency you do ads but even within that there's so many individual teams yeah within that so it's like marketing is so marketing is a term people love to throw around as like mm-hmm. being one thing and they mainly mean advertising but even within advertising there's so many different areas you can go into yeah. which i think is good because like you might not be the best content writer but you might be good at graphic design or you might be good at Making the con- you might be good at getting the ads out you might be good at social media you might be good at influencers so it's tough it's just so tough though because you're right you get to pick and choose but if you're not in marketing or you're not really dealing with the marketing team everyone will still see it as oh you're in marketing so, yeah. and then also too this is going to date me a little bit marketing wasn't like an option for me growing up like what yeah. what is that like you, you do what you do ads like you do billboard yeah. ads like what is that so there's still kind of that stigma of like what does that mean and also you can make money from doing marketing that's another thing too that i always get <laughs> <laughs> really yeah, yeah people like ask you if you can make money through it yeah because it's so it's hard because if you see it you're like oh do you just post on social media all day is that yeah. what you do like it's no it's it's so much more than that so that's mm-hmm. what it is I've never gotten that before. I've only had the whole, oh, like, will your job make you enough money? But I don't think I've ever had anyone be like, marketing as a whole doesn't make you money, which is interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Do you find that when you are approached by, like, small businesses and they see that you're, like, a marketing strategy company, um, do they see that they ask, do you see that they ask a lot of you? And they're, like, asking for, like, really yeah yeah i think it's also too because marketing that's the reason why i think people think you don't make money is because advice is given everywhere like Mm -hmm. there's so much free content out there that you could probably learn this a lot of stuff um Mm -hmm. and that's where it is like the scope you don't understand the scope of everything that you do so if someone's like hey can you quickly just make a post for me like there is a lot of steps to break that down like okay do you want me to go shoot photos for this do you want Mm -hmm. me to do video like what exactly is involved in this one thing Mm -hmm. and so it's that's what is like can you make money in the sense is like can you actually be profitable i guess yeah. is a better word of it by doing it this way and yeah. that's because you're con- if you think about your time like let's say let's say you value your time at a hundred dollars an hour yeah but no one sees it that way like they're like okay you clearly are doing all this stuff and you basically spent like a thousand dollars trying to put something together mm-hmm. is that really profitable at the end of the day yeah do you find with clients they have a lot of their own ideas that don't always make like how do you manage giving them advice that is maybe like might be better for their company compared to like their ideas how do you manage those conversations client relations <laughs> it is tough because they love the idea of being part of the creation process everyone loves it. it's the yeah. fun part like yeah. it's the it's this candy that all of us talk about for marketing it's not doing the actual hard work but one thing that we talk about to our clients is that we have those pillars for a reason which is like entertain educate etc because we want i always go back to how do you measure success like what does success look like for your business and if we want to do success this way then we have to do something long enough and try it out to see that before we just jump into ideas um but of course some ideas are really great too but it doesn't mean that we have to implement them all right now 
So I find that with clients, something that really helps is a mind map. So that way it's like, okay, we heard you, we've seen you, we love the idea. We will implement some, we won't implement others, but we'll put this into a mind map. So that way, if down the road, this is a viable option, then we'll go down that route. But it is it is tough. Like it is a lot of communication. And that's something that when I, you asked me about the process, I think people forget that the process is based on uh, communication with the mm-hmm. client. Mm-hmm. And what we do in our process, and I do the process a very different way is I think, how is that person feeling in that moment? So when they sign on to us, they're usually very excited. So yeah. how we maintain that excitement? If they're feeling like, okay, maybe I just don't feel heard, understood, what can we do to make them feel heard and understood? Is that a project kickoff meeting? Is that an email? Whatever that may be. And so a lot of times that problem of like, oh, they're putting in so many ideas can usually get solved if you have a process where you're thinking about how they feel in that moment because those feelings of ideas tend to come up in a very repetitive way. It's probably when you're having your project kickoff meeting or you're probably when you're doing your content calendar with them. There's some time that it happens so you're able to anticipate it and then pivot from what you know. Yeah, I think that that's like some of the advice that's most valuable to me. I feel like when I um, try to think of like client relationships, especially as like a woman, especially as someone who's a little bit more soft-spoken, like how you would manage those sorts of difficult conversation how do you how do you corporately say um your idea stinks <laughs> <laughs> yeah like what's the like corporate lingo you use yeah. you, don't, you don't say that hey you don't say oh your idea is terrible to a person you no. have you ever did that um no i haven't worked in a job where i've had to yeah so i guess or i guess i've worked like i've worked in, in like insurance for my last co-op so i guess when people would be like oh can i do this for my business or can i switch my cover to this i'll be like well like i can i can raise it to the team i guess because it's because it really was also wasn't my job like i couldn't change yeah. actually their coverage so i just have to be like oh yeah i can raise the team or i can connect to someone and we can take a look at it <laughs> we can take a look at it <laughs> i think i worked in a position and i worked with a client um who presented me with a poster that they had created for some sort of event and it was a very ugly poster when I'm telling you that this was like pattern background with like red writing you could not read it it was a very bad poster and I just presented them with a poster that I created and said I'm like hey what do you think about this one instead (laughs) and then they chose mine so I think that that's how I dealt with that one but we have this thing in sales that we do it's um asking questions so that way they get to their own answer (laughs) is essentially what it is so if they come up with an idea and you go but why you know see see how that sits because Mm -hmm. that's always it's very interesting how they tend to come back from the idea or um if you ask some a question like well how how you feel about this like it's a very interesting switch or uh if you were say i'm thinking about doing a new poster how does that sound and they'll be like, but why? And then you're like, well, I just think that we could improve on like 500 things on this poster. But it's it gives them the opportunity to be in not in an attacking mode. Like you don't mm-hmm. want to attack their work or be like, you know what? This is not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, too, sometimes I'm sorry to say they're you're the expert. Yeah. So if there's a client's going to you and saying, I want to do this and this is super cool. I'd be, sometimes I've told people, no. Yeah. I'm like, and this is why. And that's OK too, to hold your ground. So, what is your favorite brainstorming technique? How do you get through uh, mental blocks when coming when coming up with new ideas? Because obviously, as a marketer, you have to be creative day in and day out. Like especially as an entrepreneur, there's one exercise I'll, I'll walk you you all through it. So, 
Um, this is one that we do with the team if we're trying to come up with an idea. So we had to come up with an idea for a golf tournament. And it was like, okay, we have to be a golf sponsor. So that was the idea. So we picked a random name or object or something from the dictionary. So we flipped through and we've landed on Flamingo. And I was like, oh, yeah, Flamingo, what are we going to do with this? What you do with that name is that you try and describe this in your mind and any idea that comes to it. So pink, one-legged. I thought of salmon for some reason because it just came to my mind. I was like, flamingos and salmon. Like it just, and you don't judge that. So you keep going. And then once you have all those words, then you try to pair the words. So you go, okay, maybe not pink salmon, but we could probably do like pink lemonade, stuff like that. So what that creates is a space to just brainstorm and build from. Because now I go, okay, well, maybe not flamingos, but how does this sound? Follow us to our hole in one where you can follow the flamingos for an opportunity for a pink lemonade and an opportunity to win a gift card, blah, 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 right? There's a lot there that you can work with now. Yeah. It may not be the best idea, don't get me wrong. I'm like, we did not do the pink flamingos. Like, it was <laughs> awful. But it gave us a place to start. And that's usually the biggest struggle when it comes to marketing is where do you even start creatively? Because it's like, I have to do this big idea. Where can you even go with this? And sometimes just breaking out of that. And what that does is that, so something really happens in our brain is like that neuroplasticity of trying to pair two objects together that shouldn't belong. It starts to rewire your brain in a different way. And so that's kind of why we do it. Okay, lastly, what's the best advice you have received to be successful in your business? I've seen this question before and I've struggled answering it because there was so much good advice that's out there that was given to me. Um, I think the one that really resonated with me about my story where I started was see yourself as you would see yourself 10 years from now. And this goes for any student because I understand the struggles of midterms right now. Know that at the end of the tunnel, there 10 years from now, you won't be worrying about the midterms. And the reason that reset's really important to me is because when I think about Joanne 10 years from now, she shows up in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Like she is confident and she knows what she wants and she goes for it and she doesn't sweat the small stuff. And at the end of the day, does it really matter that that post didn't go up and we had to reset? Like there's a lot there that you can use so that way you're having forward thinking about yourself rather than being so harsh about yourself being like, oh, in the now, this really sucks. Uh, actually, lastly, lastly. Um, <laughs> lastly, lastly. <laughs> yeah, you said you were a foodie. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite restaurant in Edmonton? Okay, there's a new one. You both have to go. Okay. It just got new chefs and stuff, and they think, and you should, you should say that Joanne sent you. It's okay. uh, Soto on Jasper. Soto. Yeah. S-O-D-O? Yes. Let me write this down. Not, <laughs> not Soho, because that's a different restaurant. Sodo. Yeah. Sodo. Yeah. They're both okay. on Jasper, too. <laughs> what, kind of, uh, what kind of food is it? It is a mixture. So it is like, uh, they have like salmon. They have a little bit of like different dishes when it comes to just like, you know, appetizers and stuff. It's a whole vibe. I'm grilling you. Yes. Like the hour. Yeah, it's been very business focused. <laughs> yes. So we want to see if you have anything for us. Tell me what you do for fun. I have a couple. So I do, I guess they involve my friends a lot. So like playing sports, specifically basketball with my friends or playing video games with them. And the gym. The gym is really big right now. Yeah, I like group fitness classes. I'm a group fitness instructor on the side. So I like that. Um, I like hanging out with friends. I really like doing all things creative. So I like to paint and write and create videos and that sort of a thing. So it's a lot of what I do in my free time when I have it. 
do you have any so this is your like opportunity to take the floor plug yourself share I'm promo I'm do you have anything you want to share um okay let me think here i'm actually i would love and this is a call out on your podcast okay to, i would love if i could get anybody on the podcast to send me an instagram message at joanne j bart and tell me your thoughts on this podcast if you do this i promise you i will cap this so i will give somebody a five dollar starbucks gift card every person who does this up to a hundred dollars so okay. actually no let's make it 10 you guys starbucks is getting expensive let's make it 10 so for the next 10 people who send me a direct message and tell me exactly what they liked about the podcast what resonated with you i'll send you via email a starbucks gift card or maybe one that's here on campus maybe second i don't know what it is whatever you have that's easier for you starbucks here you have a starbucks here yeah, yeah, yeah. it could be tim hortons too whatever whatever suits your fancy but I would love to do that because I want to hear the feedback from this podcast. Yeah. You heard her. You got to get to her Instagram and shoot her a DM. Only say nice things, guys, though. <laughs> Again, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a good conversation. We learned so much about you and so much about empathy and you shared some really great advice. So thank you so much. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. enjoyed this episode please feel free to leave a review like subscribe follow all the things that go along with whatever platform you're listening to us on make sure to keep up with us on our socials at marketingmajor.mp3 on instagram and we'll see you guys next time bye